today, just briefly, I want to share another message with you on the topic of soul winning and reaching the lost. And here again, I do apologize. I know it's the week before Easter and keeping in tradition. I, I really should be uh, uh, preaching on the tr- uh, Palm Sunday, another message. But uh, I really, really feel and sense in my heart that this needs to be the year that we become more God conscious and more soul conscious. This needs to be the year that we begin to reach out to those in our circle of influence and reach them for the kingdom of Almighty God. And today I want to talk to you about simple steps in soul winning. Simple steps in soul winning. How many of you know that if you were going to take a journey, then you're going to take that journey one step at a time? You're going to take that journey one step at a time. And every one of us, we're on a journey. But we also have a journey or steps in reaching the Lord. And so I want to give you, if you want to write these down, you can. Otherwise, you'll see them on the overhead. Number one, the first step is rearrange your life's priorities and your time schedule. Rearrange your life priorities and your time schedule. How many of you know that life boils down to whatever you want to do? If you, if you decide to watch TV, you watch TV. If you decide to go get something to eat today, you'll go get something to eat today. If you decide to do this or do that, life boils down to a decision. And listen, the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more God is trying to get His soldiers in order. The closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more God is trying to ordain and organize our steps. How many of you know that every step that we take is very crucial? We're either taking steps away from God or we're taking steps toward God. We're either taking steps away from reaching souls or we're taking steps toward winning souls. Every one of us needs to really, really rearrange our life's priorities. Listen. What's important to you? What is important? When it comes to reaching lost people, where is that priority on your list? I can go ahead and tell you, and I'm just going to be blunt now. I can go ahead and tell you the way that most Christians are in America. Most of them are so apathetic and so worldly that reaching souls is not even on their radar. Shake your head, yes, friend. I'm telling you honest to God truth. Listen, how in the world can we expect to see lives changed for God if reaching souls is not on our list of priorities and if we're not making time for it? You know what? We make time to do everything that we want to do. But for some reason, we don't make time to go make that visit or make that phone call or go to somebody or participate in a church outreach or something or whatever. We don't take time to do that. We need to take time to do that. Look at what the scripture says uh, on this. In uh, Colossians, did I have it? Set your mind. One translation said, set your affections, set your mind, set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. How many of you know that the enemy can just get you so wrapped up in your little world that you begin to forsake all the things that matters to God? Are y'all hearing me now? Say amen every once in a while. 
We can get so caught up doing all the things that we want to accomplish and we want to do that we forget the things that's really important to God. What we really should be saying is, God, listen, what is important to you? God, what is it about me that you want me to do? God, what is it about my life that you want me to accomplish? God, instead of me doing my own thing, I want to begin to set my affections on things above. Things that really matter in the light of eternity. Listen, uh, Acts chapter 20, and I, I want to share, share with you, I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but these next few verses is my life verses. I, listen, th this is me in a nutshell right here. Uh, out of all the verses in the Bible, if I could base my life on any verses, it would be these next few verses. I, I can't even read this without getting choked up. But none of these things move me. Paul was saying all the persecution, all the imprisonment, all the rejection, all the hard time, all the stuff. None of these things move me. Why? Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish. Everybody say finish. So that I may finish my race. It's not your race, it's my race. He said that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Therefore... Therefore I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Listen, friends, what a statement. What a statement Paul was saying. Listen, I'm not going to let the things that I face hinder me from doing what God has called me to do. I'm going to run this race that's set before me. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to preach the gospel until I die. And when I stand before my God, nobody's blood will be dripping from my hands. Wow. What if we had that same life priority? Wouldn't that be amazing? God is saying here that we need to rearrange our life priorities in our time schedule. We're either moving forward and reaching people for Christ or we're moving away from it. The second thing that we need to do is we need to fervently and daily ask God to give us a genuine love for people and to fill us with His spirit of joy. You know, I, I put it that way because I've seen some believers that when you look at them, and I'm going... I don't really blame lost people for really not wanting what some of us say we have. I've seen some believers that they're just, I mean, they're just, they're not, they're not living in victory. They're carnal. They're not spiritually minded at all. And listen, if, you, if you're going to do that, then you're going to be a very poor witness for Jesus. God is not calling on us to be perfect or have it all together before we're a witness for God. All of us are in a process of changing. I understand that. But let me tell you something. This should be a journey that's filled with joy and we should pray every day, God, give me a love for people. You know, it's amazing. When I first become the pastor here, I made a statement that just bum-fuzzled everybody. I, I'll never forget this. I stood up, and, and, I, and I know y'all wasn't ready for me the way that I am, but I stood up and I said, now folks, listen, 
I will try my best to be your pastor. I will try my best to be sensitive and pray with you and help you and encourage you and, and correct you if need be. But I promise you, I am going to let you down. And when I said that, they just looked at me like, what did he just say? And I said, I promise you, I'm going to let you down. And I promise you, you're going to let me down. Matter of fact, we probably need to go a step further. I promise you someday I may aggravate you, but I promise you you're going to aggravate me too. I promise you that you got problems, but I promise you I've got problems too. Amen? And listen, what we need to do is say, God, give us love for one another. Love that's willing to cover a multitude of sin. Love that's willing to see the best in people instead of always seeing the worst in people. God, give us a love. Give us a love for that man that, uh, across the street or that, or that person in our family that's hard to love. I don't know about you, but there's people that makes it easy to love. And then there's people that present a real great challenge. Amen? How many of y'all got somebody like that? Boy, y'all shaking your head real big now. We need to say, God, give me a love for people. Give me a genuine love for people. Listen, the reason why I want to reach lost people is not because I have to. It's because I am getting so filled with the love of God myself that I want to tell others about that love. You missed Wednesday night, by the way. Some of you, most of you. How many of y'all know we have service on Wednesday night? I think some folks forgot about that. We have service at 6 o'clock. And I was sharing with our Wednesday night group how that I believe that one of the greatest hindrances and the, one of the greatest reasons why people don't actively share their faith is they don't love God enough. They don't love God enough. Listen, if you don't share your faith and you can't even remember the last time you've even talked to somebody about Jesus, you need to go back and check your love walk. Boy, y'all are so quiet. It's unbelievable. The quieter you are, the longer I'm going to preach. No, I'm just kidding. We need to check our love walk. Listen, you say, well, why is that, Brother Jerry? This is why. When you truly love God, you will never, ever be able to keep that a secret. When you truly love God, not only will you know that, but others will know that too. Let me ask you something. Anybody here ever been at love, in love at one time? At one time? Some of y'all was longer. You can't remember. No. Yeah. Let me ask you something. When you were in love, did other people know about it? Of course they did. Of course they did. I mean, when I first met Jeanette, I fell so in love with her. I was so possessed and enamorated and everything else with her. I was possessed by Jeanette. I mean, if I could have took the ocean and used it as ink in the heavens and made it like a piece of paper, I'd put it as big as I could. I love Jeanette. I just looked at her yesterday and I said, Honey, I said, you and me, we have been tested. We have gone through so much stuff in our life, but it is our bond and commitment of love that keeps pulling us back together again and again and again. If I don't know anything, I know one thing. I love my wife. If I don't know anything, I know one thing. I love my Jesus. And listen, if we will begin to fall in love with God again, then we will find that it is natural to share our faith in Him. I was at a restaurant yesterday afternoon and 
the guy that was seating me, uh, host or host, hostess or whatever he's called, he said, how are you? And I said, better than I deserve. And he said, what was the radio guy that says that? The financial guy? Dave Ramsey. I said, he said, how are you? I said, better than I deserve. And he goes, Dave Ramsey. And I go, no, the grace of God. <laughs> and I said, I know Dave Ramsey says that, and I, and I, but that's not why I say that. I said, do you realize that life is so good to me that I am literally getting what I don't deserve? I said, if I got what I deserve and you got what you deserve, you'd be in major trouble and I'd be in major trouble. And the fact is, is I love God and I'm getting what I don't deserve. I don't know about you, but that's a good deal. And I was able to witness to that guy. Listen, uh, we need to do that. Look at what 2 Corinthians 5.14 says. For the love of God compels us. For the love of God compels us. Because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. For the love of God compels us. Some of you need to fall in love with God so you can be compelled again. God, God can't even hardly pry you off your seat. To go witness to anybody. Listen, when you fall in love with God, you will be a witness for Him. Look at what Hebrews 12.2 says. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. And He thus sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He was able to endure what he endured because he loved the Father. It was the love of the Father that kept him going. And I love this one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 9 and 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 9 and 10. But concerning brotherly love. And I love these verses. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I write to you. For you yourselves are taught of God. Look at that verse. For you're taught of God. To hate one another. Oh, I read that wrong. Here's what it is in some churches. For you are taught of God to talk about the preacher. Is that what your translation said? Here's what it said. For you're taught of God to criticize each other. How many of you believe the Holy Ghost teaches you how to do that? If you find yourself doing that, you're certainly not being taught of God. You know, back in the olden days when folks went to the altar to pray... There was a Pentecostal term that may be new to some of y'all. It's called praying through. Anybody ever heard that terminology? Raise your hand. Praying through. Most folks get through praying before they pray through nowadays. But they would go to the altar and they and I like the I like the old altar times. I, you know, and I want to get back to this. I'm open, I want this to happen. But they come to the altar and they just oh, and they just cry and snot and bawl and squall and, and just the power of God gets on. They just cry out to God. They stay down there, not for about 30 seconds, but they stay down there for a while because they're praying through. And once they pray through, heaven comes down and fills their soul. And you know what they do? Check this out. The moment they get up and wipe all the snot and tears off their face, you know what the first thing is they want to do? You know what the first thing they want to do? <laughs> they just want to hug somebody. Listen, 
I can often tell how close a person is to God by how deeply they love those around them. If you've got a shallow love walk with other people, then chances are you need to fall in love with Jesus again, friends. Because when you fall in love with Jesus, the natural overflow of that is you're going to love everybody, even your enemies. Even your enemies. How I many you know it's hard to hate somebody when all they do is just love you? Hard to do that, ain't it, man? Listen, I, I wish that we would gain... Let, let's read the next verse. The next verse. Concerning brother loves you, talk to one another. Notice the next verse. I have it on here. And indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you decrease less and less. That you increase more and more. I mean, you know, the way this thing is supposed to work, the longer you're saved, the more you should love other people. The longer you're saved, the more you should love other people. It's our love for God that compels us to reach lost people. All right, then our next one here, and our last one, or second to the last. As Jesus fills your heart with his love, stay concerned and caring for the needs of others. Let me ask you something. How concerned are you for the needs of other people? How concerned? Do you find yourself just thinking about yourself all the time? I'm going to tell you something. There is a key to the Christian life, and that is to get other people centered instead of me-centered. The more wrapped up you are about yourself, that's why, uh, well, I ain't even going to go there. I was going to get political a little bit. God give us a president who is not wrapped up in himself because I don't see how in the world God could bless something like that. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Listen, that'll secure not only a future for our country, but that'll secure a future for our own lives. Is that when we begin to look out for the needs of other people, that when we begin to reach out to other people, that we begin to think of other people. If all you do is live in constant depression, you know what my, my, my counsel for you? You got too much time on your hands. Somebody say, say that again. If you live in constant depression, it may be that you've got too much time on your hands. You need to begin to reach out to other people, even if you don't feel like it. Begin to reach out to others, and God will bless you for it. Uh, we won't turn to this one, but in Luke chapter 10, you can write this down. Don't, don't turn on there. But Luke 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 30, talks about the Good Samaritan. You know the story. Man was stripped, robbed by thieves. All these different people came by and saw him. The religious people, all these people come by, walked by and left him there. Finally, a good Samaritan came by and saw him. He wiped off his, wiped, wiped him off, put him on his donkey, took him to a motel, an inn, and put him up and said, look, if he runs up a higher bill, has to stay any longer, let me know and I'll pay the difference when I get back. You know what he said? The Bible says he saw him, he saw him, and he went where he was. He saw him and he went where he was. And I'm so afraid, friends, that we don't see people through the lens of eternity anymore. We don't see people the way God sees people. We need to begin to see people in the light of eternity. Every single person that you see in Walmart today, most of them will be lost without God. Let me ask you something. How does that affect you? Does it bother you? It bothers me. 
It's something that nags at me. I can't get it off my heart and mind. Why? Because I know eternity is real and it's too long to be wrong. Eternity is real. Somebody said that hell is simply truth understood too late. Hell is truth understood too late. He went where he was. Number four and lastly. Number four. Praying in faith and asking God for boldness. Praying in faith and asking God for boldness. Did I have Acts chapter 4 on there? Those two verses. Now Lord look on their threats and grant to your servants. The apostles had just been summoned by the religious crowd and they were told to shut up. I love that because in every church setting there's always this religious element of people that's lost their first love with God and they've turned religious. How many of you know our churches have those people? Religious. It's a religious spirit that operates. And you know what that religious spirit wants to do? That religious spirit wants to shut up the true believer. That religious spirit wants to stifle their praise. Shut them up. Shut them up. Shut them up. Don't begin to... And you know what? They, the, the religious people got the disciples and they beat them and they threatened them and they told them if they'd done it again, they would be killed. But I want you to notice. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your service that with all boldness, that with all boldness they may speak your word that with all boldness they may speak your word but stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders will be done through your name through your holy servant Jesus I'm going to say this in closing now listen don't disconnect with me stay with me how many of y'all truly believe and I'm going to get you on this because it's the truth how many of y'all truly believe that the devil wants to keep you silent in your witness Raise your hand if you believe that. Oh, you shouldn't have raised your hand. Because some of y'all are guilty of doing exactly what the devil wants you to do. Come on now. Hey, let's be real here, folks. I'm being very pointed and real here. Listen, according to statistics, according to statistics, only a very small percentage of believers in the American church actively share their faith with others. The rest of them zip the lip. The rest of them do not share. Listen, you wonder why we need an awakening. We need a spiritual awakening in our midst. Because when somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit and has an encounter with God, that person will always have a message to tell. Amen. Oh, how we need that.